Hey, happy Monday, everyone. This is the FlowTrack Podcast. I am Kevin. He is Gordon. FlowTrackPodcast at gmail.com is our email address. You can subscribe to our YouTube page as well. Our show today is sponsored by Hoka. You can see the Hoka Cielo X right next to me. That is the LD. Gordon has the Cielo MD. Remember, Hoka, powered by the propulsion of carbon. Gordon just giving a great shot for those of you watching live on youtube you show them the carbon plate in there you know the the light 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 as a feather spikes here that are uh making people fly all around the track hoka.com is the website and gordon uh, before we go any further you have an update on on the picks we did the predictions for the first time for tokyo how did it go what was the reception and what can people look forward to next from the what do we call it flow track pick them is that right yeah, flow track pick them. New segment okay. that we're going to do all the time now. We're going to lean heavy into it. It's going to be great. We had three picks that went up for the Saturday evening Tokyo Marathon. Kipchoge's time. Uh, will Sarah Hall break the American record? And how many Japanese men will finish in the top 10? Uh, you had to pick all three. You had to go three for three. I successfully went three for three. You did not. He's, he did run sub 205, obviously. Sarah Hall did not break the American record, and four men ran in the top 10 that were from Japan. So I am oh, I'm 1 0 right now. I'm perfect in this whole, in the lifetime of the pickup, flow track pickup. But there's going to be more opportunities. We're going to have a lot more opportunities. We're going to do some, we're going to throw out some picks for NCAAs, which we'll announce on Wednesday's pod. We'll do it again also next week for Worlds. And then we're also going to just keep going. We're going to keep throwing out these picks. Every podcast, you know, like predicting what an athlete's end of the year PB is going to be. We'll, we'll, yeah, it's going to be a variety of things. It's going to be great, and we're going to keep track of it all. And the more you win, the more you correctly pick, the more likely you are to get some good, good some good prizes. So I'm excited. Mm. There we go. All right, let's get into the show. Let's get into the show. Um, Tokyo Marathon, we had a live show. So if you want Tokyo Marathon analysis of Kipchoge, of Bridget Koskai, Sarah Hall, you can find that archived two hour and 42 minute epic. Or just go to the, you can find the clips too. Let's be honest. You can find the shorter clips of us recapping it after. You don't need us giving you 17 mile analysis now that you know the results. I mean, I'd be flattered if you did, but you don't need to do that. Um, we want to start today though. There was some, uh, American record last night in the 10,000 from Grant Fisher. Another just insanely quick race across the boards, men's and women's, at the 10 in Southern California. Fisher goes 26-33, Gordon. Um, betters Galen Rupp's record by a whole bunch. Mohamed breaks his own Canadian record, running 26-34. It's been quite a uh, last few weeks for, for Mr. Fisher with the indoor 5,000 American record, and now an even bigger accomplishment outdoors in the 10,000. 26.33, did you think that was in the cards? I mean, in hindsight, yes. In Before the race, no. But after the race, you're kind of like, okay, actually, this kind of makes sense. You just did run 12.53 like two weeks ago on an indoor track. Clearly, he has the best setup possible for him to go after these records with multiple teammates rabbiting. They had the mm -hmm. wave light technology on the track. 
So they had lights on the track. They moved the event from Saturday to Sunday because of wind. So he had the weather on his side. Everything was set up for him to have no excuse. You don't like to to not have it. You're like, oh, oh, I was it wasn't a good day, or just the pacing was off. Mm-hmm. He had all the reasons to run well, and because of his talent, it worked out. And I do think we're in a different time, right? Of of track and field, it's kind of wild to see someone like Galen Rupp's record get broken, like mm-hmm. in a span of like three weeks in both indoor 5K and outdoor 10K. I saw someone post, like he only has, Galen Rupp only now has two American records left. They're both indoor, an indoor 3K and an indoor two mile, which is just wild to show how quickly one of the greatest of all time in the US is now not number one in the most of the record books. But Fisher, this is what we thought his career was gonna become. Coming out of high school, his first few years at Stanford, you're like, this guy can be the next guy. And Fisher now is living in it. He's in the prime of his prime. And this makes sense. He is one of the greatest U.S. distance runners we've seen. And he's been training well. He's had a great, you know, five to ten years of steady progression. And now that he's at Bowerman, he's all firing on all full cylinders and you know now i think he's he's shown that he has a talent to to run these incredible times the next thing on fisher's list now though is to start trying to collect some medals because that's one thing that galen up was able to do is it's mm-hmm. one thing to do well at time trials it's another to be able to close in the final lap of a of the world's 5k or world's 10k and finish in the top yeah. three. Something that Chalimo has been doing, something that obviously Centro has done in the 15. And Fisher, I guess, now's the time. Like Fisher, this year and next year are going to be his two best chances, I think, of meddling. Mm-hmm. And it'll be interesting to see if he's able to pull it off. I believe he closed in 13.10. Is that right? His first 5K was, there were like 13.23. I believe they yeah. were they're just 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 a little slow at halfway but you figured with all the with that group together that they were going to be able to pull it off. Okay, so 1310 trivia question Gordon. When is the first year Grant Fisher broke 1310 in a 5k? Uh last year? Correct. 2021. Prior to 2021. Grant Fisher's That's PB, thirteen eleven from twenty twenty, and then before that thirteen twenty nine in twenty nineteen. Now, he was a guy who focused on racing in college, so it's not that that surprising. Like his his PBs never matched his true potential. Ability. I felt like yeah. in college, yeah. Um, but it is just in, incredible to think about. Even in his couple of years with post collegiate with with Bowerman, he hadn't run that fast until last year and still just a long way from, you know, indicating 2633. I mean, you say you're not surprised, but how many of those high school stars, you know, have exemplary careers? It's just, it's still rare to do it. You, you go back and you, you look, okay, well, what are the prerequisites to be someone who runs 2633? Part of it is you got to start with that amazing level of talent. And you can't overdo it early on. You got to have that steady build and you have to just be able to adapt 
to that training once you get into that pro group and take advantage of all those opportunities and he checks all those boxes it feels like in all these bowerman time trials it's just somebody always is ready to roll and it it makes sense is why they do them well like on the women's side like cranny she did all out of that solo fisher had a med in the same way that a couple years ago remember Houlihan and schweizer together when they ran that 5k it's like it's one thing to have a rabbit that takes you a good long uh duration of the race it's another thing to have like someone else in there just pushing you that you can race all the way to the line and try to beat them and in addition to just having a um the supporting cast around him that's basically unparalleled having someone like a med to race him all the way to the line is hugely beneficial as well too and like it's gonna be interesting like he did beat mohamed in this race and mohamed yeah, yeah that's is a medalist that. so yeah like you have to think about this obviously you can be like it's just a time trial he had everything perfect everything was just set up for him like i don't think mohamed was there to just let grant fisher win and the fact that fisher at a hot pace was able to hold off a med because they were together in basically the entire yeah. time is a sign that maybe grant fisher is prepared to be in it and finish in the top three at world champs but we don't yeah. know yeah it's natural for our attention to go to the national records and and the fast times but i thought the same thing too i said well this is two races in a row he's beaten a med now the races at the world championships olympics will will look a little bit different but you're right that's a medalist there that's a guy who's no doubt one of the best in the world a proven talent and who ran an amazing race i mean he ran 26 34 and got beat i don't think i mean that's just incredible um how how good this how good this race was and if you told me at the beginning of the year mohamed is going to run 26 34 that would not have surprised me you know he's run under 1250 outdoors in these time trial settings like that would not have surprised me because he was a 1240 guy versus fisher who prior to the year was north of 13 minutes that's just a huge gulf there but fisher's closed that gap and you're right this is his time this is his time right now what was that 58 on the close which is which is pretty solid, obviously, off that, off that pace um, to be able to close with 58. It'll, it'll look a little bit different at, at World Champs, no doubt, but I mean, how many people do you for sure have ahead of Fisher right now in the 10,000? You'd probably say Chepta Guy because world record holder. Borrego won the Olympics. Kip Limo's run about the same time as him. But this, it's not a long list at all. So Fisher starts the year 2022. He has the American, he runs 1253 indoors, breaks the American record indoors. And a few days, a few weeks later, goes outdoors, runs a 10K in 2633, mm-hmm. breaks that American record. And it's now March 7th. Worlds is in July. USA's is in June. Yeah. Yeah. What is he going to be doing? Like, what's he going to focus on? Like, is he going to be just going and hopping in local? 1500s to like work on some speed but like when are we going to be able to like are we done with experiencing now like incredible grant fisher performances until basically worlds because what is he gonna is he he has nothing to prove anymore his like season is basically complete the only thing left in the season now is making a team and meddling 
at Worlds. So he, like, he kind of has a long time of kind of like maybe doing nothing. He ran outdoor times during indoors, and at, ran outdoor races during out indoors too. It's very strange. I have no idea what the what the playbook is going forward. Do you think he regrets not going to USA Indoors now? <laughs> no, I mean clearly he knew this was in the cards, and I'm sure he's happy with this performance but like i guess he needs to maybe set himself up and go hop in a couple diamond league 5ks that's probably the next step to kind of get your feet yeah. wet with like bumping and shoving around with some of the top you know right east africans and try to challenge paul chalimo in a 5k to get his feet wet i guess that's because yeah, you, you kind of like i've done everything except for i now i just have to wait now i just have to wait have till to wait USA. He's got to qualify so too. Away. He's not even on the team. He's not on the team. I know, but like he's he has this. Everyone is like, oh, we gotta get the standard, and then once we have the standard, yeah. and but he's he's done that all. It's all done. He has the standard. He has the PBs. Yeah. It's like we just gotta wait till end of. Like I feel like we're not gonna see an impressive Fisher race until end of May at the Prefontaine Classic, where he's trying to qualify for. USA's and even then it's probably going to be a sit right. and kick so it'll be like an impressive last mile yeah. where he runs like sub four in the final mile this this was the a, a pre-classic type race this is when we were used to see or Peyton Jordan yeah this is like when we're used to seeing those races the difference is it happens two two and a half months earlier than it normally does and I I, I wanted the same thing because you can say the same about cranny right amazing 5,000 this 10,000 that she ran was sensational too because she has to lead most of it. Just misses Molly Huddle's uh, American record. I mean, she was 30-14. Gordon, she won by 46 seconds in this race. And so, like, what does she do now? That's, that's what, I mean, she, like Fisher, Stanford grad too, having an amazing breakout season, was obviously solid last year but has gone like a complete level up like what does she do she's obviously a huge favorite to make the team and you look at those times and you think okay this is a person who can contend for medals like what are their next moves yeah well one thing for cranny is she did come up one second short of molly huddle's american record and it was a little bit controversial because she beat the pacing lights yeah but then she came oh, up short with the record and you kind of be like the lights were giving her a false sense of security that you're going to get this record. And she turns up to be yeah. a little over a second short. Um, so Cranny's kind of in a little bit of a pickle because she ran an incredible PB. She knows she probably has another second in her, but to put out, that's going to, it's going to, to go all in on another 10 K record. She may have to wait a whole another year before she goes hard on another 10k or hope that you know worlds isn't extremely I, fast and just she gets pulled along i think it might be that because remember huddle's record came from the olympics in a insanely quick race i think that might be yeah. where it falls now you go into that though not knowing you go into that with the idea of hey this could be a 32 minute race or this could be something historically quick but yeah what she was behind so she outkicked the lights but the lights i guess just got demoralized and said well i'm not gonna run that 
pace anymore. I'm I'm done. She needed a, she needed a Mohamed, right? She needed a another person there, yeah, with her pulling her along. Because you see that margin of victory in a ten thousand. You're like, all right, obviously there was a second left there for for her to get. But if you just look at where she was, even last year, or even two years ago, I mean, the the, the growth that she's experiences is incredible to to put down these sorts of times and. That indoor Boston 5,000 combo with the outdoor 10K, whatever why, whatever the reason was why Bowerman picked that order to do that, it worked. I mean, these two races went perfectly for them. Yeah, it did work. And I, I mean, no one was doubting it wouldn't work, right? The, the criticism mm-hmm. wasn't like, Oh, you're making a mistake. You know, everyone yeah. just, you know, the criticism is basically the structure of our sport. It incentivized Fisher and Cranny to care more about setting themselves up for a good outdoor season as opposed to flying across the country to run a three indoor 3K for a global medal that won't count as the same as an outdoor global medal. Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah. that's why they're not at indoors. But, you know, we got – and it wasn't just Cranny and uh, Fisher who had incredible yeah. 10Ks here. Like, you look down the list, Dom Scott got second in the 10K, ran well, 31 flat. I will, like, say uh, Sarah Lancaster, Austin, Texas native. She owns 31-21. She just picked up uh, elite running, like, a year ago or, like, less – maybe a year and a half, two years now. I don't know. But now she's running 31-21. It's incredible. Like – to see the people that she's surrounded by, like full-time professional athletes. And she's just like, oh yeah, I was a tennis player, basketball player. And now I'm a, an elite runner running 3120s. It's just incredible. Uh, and then on the men's side, um, there were, obviously we talked about Mohamed, uh, Jack Rayner. Jack Rayner, well, Aussie record. Broke uh, Patrick Kiernan's record, which is impressive. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, even like Connor Mance got the standard. That's a good, that's a good sign, you know, cause you're like, yeah. all right, that's the whole purpose of coming here is you want to get the standard. Shadrach got the standard as well. Sean McGordy is doing a 10 K. I'm not sure. Is Sean still thinking steeple? I don't know. Maybe we'll see. That's a good question. Um, yeah. And then I was kind of bummed that, you know, Evan Jaeger DNF'd. He was supposed. This was yeah. his 10K debut. He he was a DNF. That was kind of like, ooh, what what could have been, but you know. Did you know that Woody Kincaid Kier- was Kier- pacing? Rasa DNF. Oh, did I know Woody Kincaid was pacing? I did not know that. For a while, that I thought, are we going to have three people like sub 2640 in this race? And then he stepped off. I was like, all right, well. That also shows you how good they are. Just that they're the level of depth of Darman. But yeah, all right. I would say I was surprised that Kirbel Arasa DNF'd. He's coming off of that really fast half at Houston. I thought he would put yeah. together a good 10K here, uh, but it wasn't in the cards. I mean, it's probably hard to like, you go in this race and all of a sudden the, the leaders are going 26, 30 pace. You're like, hold, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, it can kind of maybe throw you off your, your rhythm. But yeah. anyway, yeah. You want to talk about talk some, some sprint action though? Let's yeah, yeah. Let's talk about, Enough of this distance. Let's get stuff. back. To, you want to start indoors or outdoors, Gordon? 
Uh, let's go. Let's go outdoors, and then back to indoors. outdoors. Yeah, Fred Curley opened up 44-47 in a four hundred uh, in Granada. So a versatile sprint guy himself, Fred Curley, choosing to open with with a quarter, which. I don't know if this tells us anything about what event he's going to do this year because last year he ran quarters as well too. But to open with 44 mid is 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 pretty good, and the fact that uh, we're seeing Curly put down these times just I mean it, it just means his options continue to be open, right? Whatever he chooses, one, two, four, or some combination of it, he has a lot of paths that he can take. Yeah, he ran this in Grenada. Because uh, it says the Karani James uh, stadiums and signages in the background. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I would, if someone who is, you know, coming off of not focusing on the 400, who's focusing on the one and the two, and clearly who's mm-hmm. incredible in it, I would think his 400 opener would be more, because of, again, he's already a world class athlete. So I thought it would be more of a 45 second mark. Like I thought it would be more of a, you know, go out there, get your feet wet, show that you're you're healthy, show that you're fit, show that you're in shape. And he runs 45 mid-low. But 44 mid, that is that is incredible for yeah. this point in the season. And for him basically not being a 400-meter runner for an entire year, and then he just gets back into him, now he's running 44-4. Like, Mm-hmm. That that mark would be if if like Michael Cherry ran that mark, we would be like, oh, Michael Cherry's ready to go. He's he's eyeing that gold medal. He's he's coming off of a, a strong outdoor four hundred meter season, and now he starts his season yeah. with a forty four four. Watch out for Michael Cherry. Even Michael Cherry tweeted. It was a funny tweet by Michael Cherry. Do you have that, Travis? Let me put that up. Oh no, it wasn't Michael Cherry. It was Vernon Norwood. Vernon Norwood was like. Yo, Fred, leave that 400 meter alone, bro. We get it. Because <laughs> Fred is basically showing he is, he can do anything. He is, he yeah. is literally the, the, the Catholic of sprints. He can do a hundred, <laughs> he can do a 200, a 400, four by one, four by four. He probably would have ran like six, five and a 60, I feel like, even with his body, because he's just been incredible. And, yeah. What I'm hoping, I don't know what this means, but what I'm hoping is there might be some way to get Fred Curley doing some weird one four double, a two mm-hmm. four double. He's probably more impressive with the one four double, but like maybe it's I win world title in the hundred and then I come back and win the Diamond League 400. I just want to have yeah. two or he wins the USA 400 and then goes on to win, then scratches the event at Worlds and wins the 100 at Worlds. Or just do something weird and incredible. That's what I want from Fred just, Curley. Yeah. So you just want to see some scratching. I like it. It's hard to figure out what this means in the context of his career because he didn't run indoors this year and so many other years he ran indoors. So the opener outdoors is obviously different when you have an indoor season. Versus when you don't. But if you look at, let's just take last year, for example, uh, he ran one indoors, 45 0, and then his outdoor 400 opener didn't come until the end of May, 44 6. This is obviously the beginning of 
March. So it's totally different. Or you go to 2019 when he was still all in on the 400. All he ran was 400. His opener was 44.8, but that was mid-May. Um, with the championships being earlier this year, I expect to see more of this. I expect to see March and April be really quick because I don't think people are going to leave it too late because you got to be ready to roll at USA's, obviously, but then there's really not much of a, of a break between USA's and the World Championships in Eugene. So the people who didn't run indoors, I think we're going to see, see some big marks in March and April. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, well, because, so, you know, they wait. Like in 19, people just like waited and waited and waited. It was like waiting for Mondo to enter a pole vault competition. It's like, all right, when are you going to open your – when are you gonna open your season? And you understood why, because especially if you really were confident that you were gonna make the team. So you go, you make the team, and then it's six weeks between when you make the team and when the world championships start in the end of September. Um, the other race I wanna talk about, women's 60s uh, gonna be pretty interesting at world indoors. Because um, Ava Sobota uh, broke seven sec. she's the favorite. She's the favorite. If you're just now tuning in to the women's uh, sprint season, Ava Sabota of Poland is the favorite. Beat Elaine Thompson, hurrah. She ran seven flat this year. But at the Polish championships, she goes 6.99. So she joins the sub-7 club, which is a very elite group. She's the 10th woman in history to do that. Um, short term, again, I think she's the favorite. You know, you put her in there with Cambungi, Mary Beth St. Price. Makaya Briscoe, Brian Williams, but she is the favorite. Long-term, we always talk about, okay, 60 success doesn't guarantee outdoor success, but you get to a point where if you run fast enough in the 60 indoors, Gordon, mathematically, you have to be fast outdoors. You have to be sub-11 or well under sub-11 because there's just a limit to how much you can slow down in the final 40 meters of an outdoor race. So the quicker she gets, you look at the list, those other nine women on there, Sure, there's some who didn't have huge outdoor seasons or outdoor um, you know, career bests, but you get more and more select company. Yeah, 699 is no joke. There's been countless of women who have run 7-0, you know, in their, their uh, careers, but 699 is, yeah. a, is a different category. And I do think, like, I don't know. It's going to be a perfect way when we see how her outdoor season unfolds, mm. especially if she goes on to win world indoors, if she yeah. runs 699, maybe again, wins world indoors, and then just becomes like a casual in the Diamond League circuit and not a, a relevant sprinter mm. to take on the, the Jamaicans, it's gonna, I think it's going to say a lot about the 60-meter event as a whole. It's like, what does this even mean? Because... yeah. There are going to be times when it works because the Coleman and uh, Jacobs, yeah, exactly. they're going to be good yeah. in the 60 and they're still going to be good in the 100. But if she doesn't translate into being a like a 10-8 woman, you're going to be like, all right. Because that's what, what she's going to need to be in order for her to be as relevant as she is in the 60. She needs to run 10-8 yeah. and she's never even broken 10. So 11. it's going to be uh, – excuse me, never even broken 11. So it's, I mean, it's she, going to be – right. She hasn't broken 10 either. Okay, yeah, she hasn't broken ten. That's true. Maybe she. What do you first. think is the new? What do you think is the new standard for for fast in that event? 
Because we always lean on 11. But when Thompson and Rogers run in 10-5, we say 10-8 or 10-9? 10-8. No, 10-9 is not fast. So I see 10-95, and I'm like, all right, let, let, you need to be running 10-8 to be fast in gotcha. the year of 2022. Yeah, and then I think about last year, and I think, okay, maybe that's not replicable. And just as the men had all those years where it was super fast, and we got used to seeing nine sevens or low nine eights. And then you had some years where it slowed down a bit. Are we going to see it slow down for the women? But like, so you're yeah, saying basically say that, when, yeah. for her to be relevant, to you're saying is, it needs to be 10.8 something for her to be relevant outdoors is what you're saying. Yeah. And my definition okay. of relevant is you can make a world final. I think you need to run nine, eight to be fast in the men. I think nine, eight is what you need to be. I think nine, eight and 10, eight are the, the tiers of, okay, I can make a world final. It's not the tier of I can win. The tier of I can win is definitely going to be 9-7 and like 10-6. Whatever, whatever Thompson or uh, decides to do. Yeah. Just whatever Thompson yeah. wants to do that day. So she's going to need to make a big improvement then. Because, yeah, she's north of 11 right now. So go, going 10-99, unless things slow down dramatically, won't be enough. But there's always one person. There's always one, at least one sprint star who emerges indoors that gets our interest. And on the women's side, you, you got Swoboda at the top of that list. We'll see if she can finish it, though. She's got to go and win this world indoor title, I think, to, to, to cement the season. But it should be a fun – that race will be fun, too. Yeah, it's missing the star power of Thompson Hurrah and you know, Fraser Price and Richardson. But that, that one will be good. And then you're right. On the men's side, it's funny because you have two of the – as I mentioned before, if they were betting odds right now, they'd be two of the top three to win the gold, and Eugene are in it. And on the women's side, it's not that. But they're both interesting, just in different ways. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. We All right. Talk a little bit about... Uh, what else we got? What else happened today or this past weekend? Today, not much, I hope, because I, I woke up and came into here to record. Uh, I mean, Sisson won the 15K, dominated. It's off distance. I'll call it an off distance because it's 9.3 miles. Um, was it Nico Montagna's won on the men's side? Rupp ran and then faded towards the end. I don't know if there's too much we can read into that. We were, you and I were arguing at the end of the live show about who would be the person to break who's the best candidate to break the American record in the marathon? And I said, Sisson, maybe that's recency bias because I literally had just looked at the results from that 15K and I just said, her, that's who I'm picking right there, the one on top. Um, no, that's not why I picked her. Uh, you said, you said Molly Seidel. I think, correct? Is that what you yes, said? Yes, I did. Yeah. I did. And I said that because Molly has yet to show any signs of She's been, like, perfect in every marathon she runs. She's still yeah. super new to it, which is incredible that an Olympic medalist is new to the marathon. But <laughs> I think – I don't think Molly would break it this year or even next year, but I do think Molly would break it in the next four years because more and more years under the belt, eventually she'd be like, all right, let's go fast now. And yeah. then we'll be able to see her true ability. Because if you are able to medal – the freaking Olympics, you should be able to run 219. 
That's, that's just what I think. Just what I think. Just different types of racing, though. But I know it's more just you're beating or you're beating incredible women in order to medal. So like, yeah, it's not a world championship marathon where like it's kind of like all right, you can find a way to medal. Like, no offense to Amy Craig, but like Amy Craig's medal at the world championship is not the same thing as Molly's at the Olympics, and I think that performance can potentially project to a, at least it being a 219 lifetime yeah. PB. So. And a lot of it's opportunities. If she just does New York yeah. Boston though, for a bunch of years, then she'll never get that chance. So part of it exactly. is the willing, you know, yeah. wanting to get on those courses, which made me think about Kipchoge, how his next couple of years go. Cause if we're saying we're going to believe Kipchoge that he's going to go through, he's going to go through 24, right? He wants to get the Olympic. The third Olympic gold wants to make history. So, if he does his normal pattern of two marathons a year, that would leave fall of 22, spring of 23, fall of 23, and then spring of 24, perhaps, and then the Olympic send off. So, max, we're looking at as of five. One we know for sure is, is the Olympic marathon. So if you go into fall of this year, fall of 22, I'm thinking if he's he goes New York there, then he goes spring of 23, Boston. He gets the career major. Then he'd have two empty slots there, fall of 23, and then spring of 24. Maybe he returns to London in the spring of 24 as, as one last you know farewell as he gets himself ready. Maybe he skips, I don't know the schedule for 2024 Olympics yet, but maybe he skips the spring one because it's just too too tight of a turnaround. But he has at least one, maybe two empty slots there if he's going to end his career in 24. How do you think he uses those? So how does he use the spring of 24 and the fall of 23? Or... Does he do a different pattern than I said? Maybe you have a different feeling on how he how he runs those races. But I, I think his next two are gonna be New York and Boston. It makes sense. He would you just go back and collect another check from Berlin and collect another check from London. All today. I think he'll go. Yeah, but he also I think it's gonna you, be, he also told you he wants to run a marathon on a ship. Where does that fit in? I don't think he's gonna do that. I think if he does do that, he'll do that post Olympics where it's just for fun. Okay. That's what I think. I think so I think he, he might like he might start doing like, you know, ambassador running post Olympics where he's now like going for you know, he did that thing where everyone chased me to qualify for the Paris yeah. Marathon. He'll, yeah, be, he'll, yeah. he'll do stuff like that. Okay, if he does five more. That'll have him at 23 career marathons. Two of them were weird because they were time trials. So you say 21. Of those 21, if he if he wins out, he'd be uh, 19 and 2 in the marathon. <laughs> With his two losses. So his two losses will be a Jeopardy question. Yeah, where did he lose? Where did he lose his two? 
two marathons. Where did he lose um, the other one? Um, it was his second, the second marathon of his career. It was Berlin in 2013, wasn't it? What place did he get? He got second. He got second to Kipsang in that one. Um, I think he won. Um, hold on, let me pull it up. He won in Hamburg because he he never had this this crazy win streak because he won his first one in Hamburg, and then he lost uh, his second one, and I think that was to Kipsang in Berlin. Let me pull it up right now. I should have this memorized. 2013, yeah, Berlin. He ran 204.05, and Kipsang ran the world record 203.23, and then he didn't lose again until the London race in 2020. I mean, how so? How would you like to see him use these? Are, are like I would be over the moon if we just get New York and Boston because for a while there I never thought it was going to happen. So whatever he does in addition to that is bonus for me. Yeah, I mean New York and Boston is most important. I mean, you would want him to do them twice. I don't know. Like he's already gone to London and Berlin <laughs> so many times. Just come to New York twice. Come to Boston twice. I live in the U.S. for two years. How about that? Mm -hmm. That's what I want him to buy a condo. I'm not sure where. Probably, you know, is he going to move to Flagstaff? Maybe. Maybe he moves to Flagstaff, buys a condo. Okay. He can get down to the situation of who's been pooping on the track. Because if Kachogi's there, everyone's going to follow the rules. They don't want to disappoint Kachogi. He shows up in Flag. Yeah. He uh, becomes an assistant coach at NAU. And then we get to see Kipchoge on the NCA circuit. He'll just be at the local, you know, he'll be at the Peyton invite, just holding the stopwatch, watching the fifth Newberry Park kid going to run a sub 1335K. It's going to be great. That's probably what he's going to do. I want him to move to the States for two years. That's what I want. I won't take anything less. What if he just, he goes like full, uh, was it Uncle Drew? Just disguises himself. And enters the small town, like the Lehigh Valley Marathon. Ooh, that'd be great. And just sticks with or sticks he, with the leader for he works in, mile, or 20, 26 miles and then just kicks away. I will disguise him and put him in the Aardvark uh, running store, which is the local running store in my hometown in the Bethlehem, PA area. Uh, and he, he'll uh, try to prank runner. He'll like help people out with their shoes. It's like, imagine yeah. Kipchoge disguising himself as like a running store uh member that'll be fun it's like right. what shoes should i use well i like these these i can run a plenty of time in plenty of opportunity for comedy in the end of uh kipchoge's career uh also we had american record in the pole vault gordon indoors we did nelson yeah he did yeah, we had 605 oh i didn't so, i thought he only jumped like five eight Maybe I turned off the stream too early. No, I. You checked six oh five. Six oh five in France. Okay, come on. Mondo's I mean, going, going for six, six, eighteen, six nineteen, six oh five. I know Mondo's going for six eight, but like, if you can jump six oh five, fault something six oh five, you can get Mondo on a bad day, hundred percent. If you're a five oh. nine guy, no. But if you're a six oh five guy, you have a perfect day. He jumps six oh eight. And Mondo just has a bad day and misses. It could happen. Are you saying that Chris Nilsson has a track record of getting Mondo on a bad day? Is that what you're he saying? does. He does. 
He's really good at it. Yeah. So speaking of, yeah. But, NCAA's 2019 outdoors. 2019. Outdoors. That was so weird because we all knew Mondo was going to go on and win a ton of like gold medals and break world records. It was just basically inevitable. And then he lost the NCAA championships. I was like, this is just going to be so strange from this point forth in his career. And Chris Nelson is going to just, he's going to get the best of Mondo every single time because Mondo's not going to forget that ever. What if, like, Chris Nelson is just always going to be the kryptonite to Mondo? And, like, every loss that Mondo ever has at a championship level will only be to one to the Chris Nelson. It won't always be to Chris Nelson, but it will only be to Chris Nelson. Do you know how many times Mondo has lost since he lost to Chris Nelson? Zero Actually, times? Actually, the stat is – no, this, isn't that, this is not that good of a stat, I was going to say. Uh, well, since 2020, he's only lost once. But in 19, after he lost to Nilsson, he, he had some Diamond League losses, and then he was runner-up in Doha. So after that year, after he went fully pro starting in 2020, it's just, just one loss. And in the pole vault, it's just like the marathon. Hard to stay undefeated in that event. Um, on the college side of things, we got NCAA indoors coming up. We're going to do a full preview of that too. but. Um, is there anything that you have your eye on like early? I know we talked a little bit about the declarations last week. Did we? I don't even remember. I think we talked about some scratches. I, I talked about it on my on my NCAA track and field. Oh, show yeah. About the declarations. Um, so subscribe to that. Subscribe. Watch it. Go over there and subscribe. Watch it. Consume it. See Gordon it vertical video. Vertical video, Gordon. New new world. Um, there wasn't any two big surprises. There was a couple of people who scratched because they were hurt, but they weren't going to win a title. Um, gotcha. We do know though. We know that like Nagus is going all in on DMR three K, which is what we thought. But we won't see yeah. Nagus in the in the mile, but you know we expected that. I was uh, Lauren Ryan, Florida State runner. She scratched the five K and is just going all in on the three K. That was interesting. Mm -hmm. I believe that's what happened. Let me double check. I don't want to. Well, when I was out. in when I was in Arkansas, I told both the coaches that your 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 projections and the percent chance that you thought they had in both. So I was able to communicate that effect quickly and and, and efficiently to uh, head coaches of both teams because it's. I mean, the men we always thought were going to be close, but the women turning into a interesting team race is not what we expected early on in the season you had yeah, florida so getting getting all the points i did i had florida winning all the points but now florida's come back a little bit to earth florida's still a heavy favorite on the women's side arkansas and texas are the only teams that can beat them i would probably put more money on texas beating florida than arkansas beating florida but you know lance harder he finds out ways to, to do his thing and then on the men's side Georgia men, they've been in the driver's seat, but they've been like the weakest driver's seat team that I've seen in the past few years. I don't think Georgia's going to win, but I have to say they're going to win because they are in the driver's seat and they got Matthew Bowling. And they, they I just think, well, I don't know. I'm, I'm not confident. Nobody in, in that spot. Yeah. yeah, but you can say that about everybody. Whoever you put in the driver's seat is in a precarious position. Yeah, I could think Arkansas, but 
Arkansas is relying on kind of weird points, which is a weird thing to say, but it makes what sense. What are weird points? Weird point. Are those different than I don't like know. other points? Well, you know, they're relying on like a seventh place finish in the 800. That's a weird point. Seventh place in the 800, that's a weird point. You know, they're relying on a lot of long jumps and, and a couple hurdles. I don't know. It's just a weird – it's not like all in mm-hmm. on we're, we're a sprint-heavy 60, 400. 200. You well, know? what's well, Georgia's what? NAU, NAU's the in the top four, and they they only have two guys. The multis. What's that? Literally two guys. Oh, I was gonna say Georgia. What is Georgia? Georgia's bowling, Godwin, the relay, and the multis, right? Yeah. So that's weird too. That's why they only have forty-one and, points. And what about A and T? A&T has a lot, but A&T also, like, their top 60 hurdler guy didn't run well at his conference, so that kind of makes me concerned. He's a true freshman. Um, A&T, you know, they have a good – they have Randolph Ross. They have a star 400-meter guy, but their long jumper has been not jumping as well, but that's another weird point. I'll call that a weird point. That's similar to getting seventh in the eight is getting sixth in the long jump. It's a weird thing to do. Um there's just a lot. I mean, Texas can get scary because they have a lot of bodies, especially in the mm-hmm. distance, mid-distance stuff. Obviously, they have the throwers. They have uh, a sprinter or two. But again, there's no the fact that no one can get to 50. I, if someone wins well, this meet without getting a 50 points, it's going to be weird. And it's going to be so weird that a team like NAU, who only has two runners at the meet, Abdi Haminer, Nico Young, they could become the second best track and field team of indoor. Two dudes, Mm -hmm. because I think they'll go one, two in the 5K, and I think they'll put two guys in the top four in the 3K, and that's a lot of points. I'm waiting for when one person wins indoors. That's what I want. And not even someone who gets a quadruple, someone who just like 20 wins one year. All the points. Yeah, I mean, twenty wins one year. I don't. I don't want to say like. And that, it's gonna be hard because the goose is in the three k, and it, I just think the goose losing the three k would be kind of wild. And yeah. Morgan Beatles, but Beatles, Beatles comes coming off of a a mile final, so that's easier to be him. But like, let's say perfect situation. NAU goes right. one two one two. It's thirty six points. And in this weird time where Georgia isn't anything confident, you know, Arkansas have getting 33 points, Texas, North Carolina, they all have question marks. Imagine if they just, they just freaking win it. It would be, it'd be well, hilarious. Well, you brought up the like weird points thing, but this thing is going to be won by weird points because if the winning yes. score is 40, it's going to be, oh, such and such got, they clinched the meet by getting two points in the Fifth in the weight throw. It's going to be something strange like yeah. that. Women's score not as much because the point totals are just higher from those, you know, from Florida, Texas, and Arkansas. But that's that's a lot closer than it was before. And I, because I was at Arkansas last week, I looked, and a lot of those Arkansas, like you, definitely not you're not overselling Arkansas. So there's there's room for them to grow in a lot of those events. Like, it's not the sunniest forecast for Arkansas, too. I'm sure you could say that about Florida and Texas. 
Um, but that thing could get really interesting. Florida, I think, though, has the blowout potential. They still have that. Do you agree? Yeah, Florida always shows up. Even though they're ranked eighth, they're going to, you know, find a way to get to finish third, and they'll tweet at me, never doubt us. And I'll be like, yep, you're right again. It's it's not a, a year without Florida being doubted by Gordon and then them showing up and doing well. Wait, so you're Here's picking them part- for third? Just I want to get you on the record. You're picking Florida women to get third? Is that right? Did I hear that? No, I'm talking about the men. The men. I was just kidding. The women, I think, yeah, no, are going to win. The-, the women are going to win. Oh, okay. That's what I'm saying. I said the women have blowout potential. Like, of oh, those okay. three teams, there's one. I think of those yes. three teams, there's one who can run away with it, and it's Florida. Yes. The other two can win, but if they win, it's going to be close. Yeah, Florida will blow out. I'm predicting that. There's one fun thing. Here's a fun fact for you. How many... This would be a good prop that we can do uh, next uh, on on Wednesday. Men's sixty. How many SEC schools do you think are going to finish? Are going to make the final? In the men's sixty, athletes from the don't look up. Just go off the top of your head. So eight total can make it if it's all SEC. Stop. You're looking at results. Don't stop. You're looking at tifers. I'm not looking at results. I'm not looking at results. What are you looking at? Don't look at my rankings at the, either. You're cheating. The web, I'm not looking at your rankings. That would make it worse. Um, I mean, the Tennessee kid, Ash, been really fast this year. Uh, bowling. I mean, but see, basically, really good about is, Kyle Williams. SEC, yeah, the, I'll go. The point I'll go that, four. Four. Yeah, I think it's gonna be less than four. Because you have the Oregon, Makai Williams. You have the Indiana kid, Brathwaite, who's running well. Louisville yeah. kid, Warner Savage. USC, Sean James. Obviously, you have the Tennessee and Georgia and Bowling and Ash. Then you have Terrence Jones, Texas Tech. DeAndre Swent, Florida State. It could be kind of weird brought. to like only see one or two SEC sprinters in that 60 final. I just think that would be kind of wild. So Jones didn't run Big 12s. So we haven't seen Jones run a 60 since that race in the middle of January. Yep. So that's why he's not, I'm not going to pick him to get top two. <laughs> I, yeah, I think he'll still make a final though. I think the final might be, <laughs> I mean, he didn't run big, didn't run his conference meet. I mean, there's got to be yeah, some issue for not running the conference meet. He's, I think he can wait. make it to the final and then fall apart in the final. Like, I think he gets to the final and finishes like in the bottom two. You haven't even seen him, though. We haven't seen him. He's, he ran a 4x4 four four once since that race. I know we haven't That's seen it. him, but, like, he still ran he didn't run, the fastest time. He DNF'd the, DNF the 200 in the middle of February. And then I know. Didn't run his conference meet. That's why he's going to finish 7th. He's going to finish 7th. I, I, would, I think I that's would, a fair place to put him. Four SEC schools are in there. Book it. Two. Don't ask me which one, so don't ask me. Two? 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 All right. Two. Okay. Uh, let's go to the chat. Gordon. The name is pronounced Bratwaite. Bratwaite. Okay. Good to know because I'll probably be saying his name to his face uh, when I interview him. So it's good to get that right. Yeah, those are my rankings up there. Bratwaite. Coming in second behind Williams. 
I'm very confident. I was I was like, I looked at it. I was like, I like these this order that I'm picking. I like the order. Bowling getting six. Um, Look, that's a typical weird point. Everyone's getting weird points. So you're weird, point weird points. Uh, Tamp Eagle says you guys should do a pod on the people who could beat a team by themselves. Like Grant uh, Holloway. Looks like Kevin. We- Fr- During indoor season. Didn't Lincoln and I write something about that? One of the two of us did. I think we lost connection. Oh, I lost connection. What'd you say about Lincoln, Kevin? Sorry, we lost people there for a moment. Apologies for the technical hiccup. But I think we wrote an article or did an analysis with Holloway that year because he, when he started running the 62, and we're thinking 60, 60 hurdles, long jump, he had run a fast 200 that year as well indoors. And then we obviously knew yeah. his 400 split. Now, you can't run all those events just because of time constraints. But if the meet was more spread out and you just – if you were able to find out who the best in the country was in every single event without the limits of doing it in a condensed time period, you had a like a really strong argument that Holloway would would score a ton of would finish highly in five events, not even including the relays. Um, he ultimately ended up doing what long jump, sixty hurdles, sixty, and then four by four. So he did he did a ton of stuff. He did a ton of stuff, but he was also Really good that year in the two. And I think everybody's always known that he's an amazing 400-meter runner. He just uh, doesn't have many opportunities to run it, especially now. All right. Well, we're going to break down the NCAAs all day on Wednesday. We'll have some great prop predictions for you guys to make, try to win some, some free stuff. We'll announce – we'll figure out who won the Tokyo bets – on Saturday, we'll announce that on Wednesday. It's going to be great. Kevin, I'm just going to leave it with this question. Gun mm. to your head. Gun to your head. Who is winning the <laughs> men's 3K? The goose. Okay. Is, there a tri- is that a trick question? No, there was no trick question. I was just trying oh, to think of, a, of, a, of an okay. event to pick, and I I picked a an, a question. I picked an event that you already had a good answer for, and it, now I just well, feel stupid. It's not the oh, gun here, here, really here, here. wasn't threatening. Put to it on the board. Put it on like, the board. Had an answer. Yeah, that's a bad. Okay, let me try it. this. Is, let me do it this way. Who's winning the men's team competition? Oh, that's a good gun to head. Gun to head men's team competition. I'm gonna pick. I'm gonna pick Texas. I'm gonna pick Texas. Hometown, hometown team. Go Longhorns. UT. Gun to your All head. Right, we'll do more official. What's gun to your head, men's team? Ah. Uh, two, one. Bang. A and T. 
A&T. UT and A&T. I like it. That's what's going to happen. Here's the thing. They're going one, two. Here. I don't want to drag this on too long, but here's the way I'm thinking about it. And we'll talk about this more on Wednesday more on Friday. With the point totals that low, necessary to win. How many people have points that are close to locks? And I know nothing is a lock. So yeah, having a bunch of yeah. having a bunch of fifty percent chances is not the way you want to go into this meet. I feel like you want to go in with a couple ninety percent chances. Randolph Ross is like I think he's ten points. Yeah. Now is there four That's by four ten points? No. Nah, not quite, not quite, but it, but it's close, right? So who has those most? Who has the most like guaranteed points? Would you say like does Texas have people that you're really confident in like penciling in right now ten points for? Like you got a good shot putter, Pippery. Yeah, and that's about it for most confident. And then Georgia, their most confident is Matthew Bowling in the two hundred. So everyone has like a little bit of most confident. No one has like three. 90 percenters everyone has one 90 percenter and then a bunch of 45 percenters and that's why the scoring is so low what about the field what do you mean what about the does field? anybody does anybody have does any, do any of those favorites have other than papari does anybody have like strong and i just feel like there's less variation in the field i that could be wrong yeah. that's just my like preconceived notion no long jump um, triple jump anyone can win high jump is weird uh weight throw i mean do you it's kind of, it's kind of weird what we're about, just about Aiden Owens? all right we're in the spot Gordon's... we're losing our connection Some... all right all right well Alexis they're shutting Pratt. us down yeah. folks this is the last one ever uh we'll see you later thanks colt